0: I shared a passage with you, which we're not going to look at. We're going to look at a different one. Um, and kids, I'm going to get you to um, make the first comments if you've got any comments, things that questions that you have about it or things that you wonder. Um, so I've put the I've put the passage in the chat. It's Mark 10, 13 to 16. Um, but I'm not going to read that version. You can read it yourself. I'm going to tell you a version that I used to tell Tilly when she was very little of this passage. Um, so when when Tilly was very little, I decided to try to um, create versions of Jesus' stories and parables that connected more to her experience. And so I used to tell her this story about um jesus and uh jesus followers at the cafe so they're at a cafe and they're all having grown-up drinks and then um tilly and her cousin josh went into the cafe uh and they saw jesus and jesus followers and they wanted to um sit with them and the jesus followers said no 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 there's no room on this table for kids and we're just having grown-up conversations But Jesus saw them doing that and got a bit angry and said, no, there's always room at our table for kids. And so Jesus got his followers to get a couple of chairs, added it to the table, and Tilly and Josh sat at the table and Jesus ordered them both a baby chino with a marshmallow and they chatted about the things that Josh and Tilly wanted to talk about for as long as they wanted to talk about them. Um, And we talked about, you know, what does that say about Jesus' followers and what does that say about Jesus, the way that Jesus and the followers treated you and Josh. So I'm going to ask the kids but also anyone else um, their answer to that question. Um, This passage or the Fitzroy North Cafe version of the story, um, what... What do you notice about it or what do you wonder about it or what does it say about Jesus and his followers? Any thoughts? It can be big kids as well as little kids.
1: I think that the moral is that
2: kids have importance too.
0: Mm-hmm. Thanks, Kelly. I,
2: I wonder if... um actually the kids didn't actually want to talk about things but they actually wanted to play and Jesus was actually quite open to play and that being a really important part of the kingdom and joy and, um, yeah, I often find kids don't, well, they do want to talk but but it's, it's, it's the most exciting thing is to actually play and do something with them or, or yeah. break into song or something like that. Yeah.
3: Thanks,
0: Danielle.
3: Um, Because it's my obsession, <laughs> just always thinking about religion and empire, and um, about the backdrop of the kind of Roman Empire in Jesus's day and the kind of um, religious setting as well. But just thinking about like if you centered if you centered children and their experience of life um, as the kind of like key agenda, then the the idea of empires is coming in and taking over lands and enslaving people and Sitting up, horrible economic situations just seems so ridiculous. Like it's only when you can kind of like marginalize the experience of those people at the kind of bottom of the vulnerability chain that you can kind of justify the like all those other bigger agendas. And yeah, just something so subversive about centering the experience of children, good for them, at the center of yeah, mm-hmm. big of, of big people's plans. Yeah.
2: Um,
1: I think I've heard this a couple of times, but I also think that um, it's actually quite good for adults to play with children and engage with children because it gives them a sense of like, I don't know, but it kind of helps them kind of think back to their childhood years and maybe find out some more about themselves or something like that. I'm not sure, but
2: mm-hmm. just
1: um, like, I don't know, finding a way to yeah. like, play again not necessarily child childlike play but yeah mm.
3: yeah that's really great Tilly, you things i agree and I've, heard, I- I've heard that too but for only stretches of up to two hours and then <laughs> no one else should take them that's what i've heard of.
2: So, sorry to have another comment, but um, uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> um, just just with what Shane was saying, I was thinking, yeah, like if you centre children, you actually centre attachment and human relationship and a closeness. that children's, particularly at a really young age, that sense of need for attachment and closeness is so different to empire, so different to, like, individualism, yeah, that just struck me, yeah. And yeah. just to
3: build on that as well, it just made me think how the times um, when I think, oh, I just need to write one email, just take this quick call, and Albie takes that opportunity to, like, lick my face or draw on the carpet because he's basically expressing, even though I'm just doing it for a split second, I'm not a terrible parent, don't report me, but it's just <laughs> this, like, you know, they just they just cut there. When you do something that's so un-present from their perspective, you really they really express that. And I just think, yeah, to, to build on that point, then if there's, if you're connected and, and imagine, you can imagine what those people either at the cafe or, you know, standing around that table in the passage that they're talking about, would just be so like not present and not urgent and not, you know, kind of a bit, whereas the kids bring um such an, bring in an immediacy and um, yeah, that connectedness. So. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I'm
3: sorry, go on. And almost like puts a hold on your like important adult things.
0: Yeah, yeah, exactly. The one of the what Danielle was saying just reminded me of this story that I wanted to share today anyway, but um uh this Syrian, a Syrian refugee um who kept losing jobs because he was always late. And you know, his case manager finding it really frustrating. Why are you always late to work? You know, you know, you're not being productive you're not fitting in and uh, eventually through questioning they got to the bottom of it and he lived on the top floor of an apartment block that was full of other Syrians and as he was going down the stairs to get out of the building to go to work if you meet another Syrian you have to pass the time of day with them maybe have a cup of tea Um, otherwise it is you know incredibly culturally inappropriate or rude and the expectation is that anytime you see someone from your community, you spend time with them. And so it just took him an incredibly long period of time to get out of the building every day. And this amazing clash of, of cultures and priorities, you know, this culture that prioritizes connection, seeing people, checking in over productivity and punctuality, banging up against our obsession with productivity and punctuality and time management. Um, and how he found it impossible to maintain a job because of that clash of cultures, a culture that is closer to that philosophy of connection and play than than ours is. Yeah, I thought that was really really powerful and also kind of disturbing. Um, just a, yeah, I mean, essentially everyone said the things that I wanted to say, and I didn't want this to be a long talk anyway, because this is all about play. Um, but yeah, it really does feel like, Play is a vaccine against taking life too seriously. Um, Give us the joy and delight that can carry over into all other parts of our life. Um, And play is, as we've said, a resistance to the unhealthiest aspects of the adult world. Um, And perhaps the biggest one is seeing our value in our productivity or our usefulness. There's this Jürgen Moltmann, the German theologian has a whole book on the theology of play but just one tiny quote i'll leave you with is that he says a person who values themselves in terms of their usefulness to society must consider their life useless when they are no longer needed Um, and so i think that sums up in a sense the value of play without without play and without centering children we end up making so many groups in our society um deemed useless and worthless yeah um so that's enough talking um let's have communion um so hopefully oh milton you got something to share yeah unmute yourself no okay but we'll definitely do your activity in a second um For communion, you might want to find a a thing to eat and a thing to drink, Um, and I'm just going to play a song while you're finding that stuff and getting ready. So this is a song I wrote a while ago based on this passage and also the Matthew passage that I quoted in my weekly note. I'll sing and you can kind of because you're muted, you can eat and drink and crunch away as much as you like. Um, but this is this is my little communion song for us.
1: Only the eyes of a child can see your glory. Only the eyes of a child can see your face. Only the feet of a child can walk your kingdom. Only the feet of a child can walk in grace. When you welcome a child beside you, you welcome the Holy One. When you welcome the child within you, you welcome the Holy One. You welcome the Holy One. You welcome the Holy One. Only the eyes of the child can see your glory. Only the eyes of a child can see your face. Only the feet of a child can walk your kingdom. Only the feet of a child can walk in grace. When you welcome a child beside you, you welcome the Holy One. When you laugh with the child beside you, you laugh with the Holy One, you laugh with the Holy One, and you cry with the Holy One.